do you care about spoilers from Midnight Mass? Oh, no, not at all. Oh, although maybe not on... Here, let me stop recording so Pete doesn't have to hear him. Oh, good call. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and rom-coms. I am one of your hosts, adult librarian and YA lit enthusiast, Martha Sullivan, and I am here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Maren Higman, adult services librarian um, and rom-com enthusiast. Uh, And we are here today to discuss the 2021 Netflix streaming original, A Perfect Fit. Uh, This is a Balinese movie, and it's either the first or second Balinese film uh, to debut on Netflix. Uh, It was written uh, and directed by Hadra Dang Ratu, and also written by Garen Nugroho, and it stars... Uh, Nadia Arena as Saski, uh, Rafal Hadi as Rio, Giorgino Abraham as Denny, Laura Thieu as Andra, Angika Bolsterly as Tiara, Ayu Laksmi as Ibu Saski, Yayu A.W. Unru as Pak Ketut, and a bunch of other people. I apologize for for I am sure brutalizing at least some of those names um <laughs> a quick spoiler warning this movie did come out in 2021 so if spoilers matter to you then uh pause our podcast here go watch the movie and then come back uh otherwise uh this movie is about Saski, who the summary tells me is a fashion blogger um but I felt gave off more of like design consultant like yeah or like fashion. um fashion photo shoot consultant she's she's in fashion uh and she meets she gets sent by her boyfriend to go buy better shoes for his birthday party and she uh walks into an uh up and coming shoe store um owned by Rio Uh, The two have an almost instant connection uh, that is plagued by the fact that uh, Sasuke's boyfriend is horrible and controlling. Um, But as the two kind of develop their connection and Sasuke starts to wonder if she is in the if she is making the correct choice by being with Denny, her boyfriend, uh, matters are complicated by the fact that Sasuke's mother is sick uh, and Denny's family is also planning to fund the eventual creation of her fashion boutique that she would like to open. Uh, Meanwhile, Rio is match made by his mother with uh, Tiara, a fashion sales mogul who has grand designs to sell Rio's shoes all over the world. Uh, And the two of them get involved. um, And both of these relationships are the good on paper kind, uh, while Sasuke and Ryo both struggle with the fact that they are feeling a perfect fit of the heart kind uh, on the other end. Um, and it ends happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after a series of um, mishaps and almost weddings and people 
cheating on each other and getting mad about shoes and weird macho fights. Um, there's also a fortune teller who tells Sasuke that her fortunes are about to change. Uh, there's a lot of Balinese culture kind of sprinkled throughout the movie, which I very much enjoyed. And the whole thing kind of looks like a Bollywood movie without the musical numbers. <laughs> yeah, you do almost expect them to like start bursting into song. I truly wanted them to. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, because I, I think overall, this this movie's main detriment is actually that it's so long. It is so long. And I looked it up, and it is. Um, an hour and 52 minutes, which yes, is... Yes, this movie is almost two hours long. It is unconscionably long, which is yeah. too bad, because I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, or I liked a lot of things about it. And I liked a lot of scenes in it. It just getting to some of those scenes, like, felt interminable. Oh, yeah. No, the pacing is awful. And I will also say, I feel like I enjoyed the first half of the movie much more. I think, like, at, at the beginning, they kind of introduce this conflict, things get going, and then everything just kind of grinds to a halt for a while. I think <clears throat> it is. I think it is when Rio and Tiara get yes. set up, is when the pacing of the movie really kind of it, it stops knowing what its goals are, I think. Or at least it is it is complicating things without need. Um, right. Because once the two of them are engaged, then I'm kind of like, well, now Rio doesn't get to be mad at Sasuke for having another relationship. Um, yeah. That was, a, that was a whole thing that I was upset about. Um, but no, it's very slow. And I think that if it had been an actual musical, there are a couple of musical scenes with Sasuke's friend Andra, who sings for capital R reasons. Not sure what was going on about that, but it felt like the movie wanted to be a musical, but then didn't actually, like, wasn't actually going to commit to being a musical. Yeah, and I like, wish that it had just, like, gone full Bollywood. Yeah, it's like they were able to hire someone or have one of the performers, like, write, like, two songs. And... Mm -hmm. They just didn't have a budget to, like, add the songs in anywhere. And I, I, I think why we both want that is it just... I think really what this movie needs is more momentum towards the second half. Yes. Um. And, and I think that... I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't even know that, like, a musical number would solve that. I, I, I think that... I think it just would probably be more enjoyable to have all these filler scenes with... I was going to um, say... Musical I, I numbers, think, but I, I think what this movie needs is, like, just a lot of scenes to be cut. Yeah, and I think if we if we took a lot of those, like, set dressing sequences or, like, the tonal pieces and made them musical numbers, it would at least give the illusion of forward progress, even sure. if they didn't actually drive the plot forward at all. Something would at least have been happening and it would not have felt quite so much like wasted space. Right, right. And, yeah, at least, like, give us something more visually attentive. But, like, honestly, I think the best version of this film is just, like, 25 minutes shorter. Oh, yeah. The best version of this movie is a 90-minute yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, I will say this movie looks incredible. Yes, it looked beautiful. And I liked, too, that, you know, for much as the saturated color palette was really reminiscent of Bollywood films, it really was so specific. And, and it also, I think, you know, did a really good job of... You know, because when you think of Bali, you think of, like, a beach and really drunk tourists. And, like, or I guess I should say, like, you know, Nicole Kidman and was it Nine Perfect Lives, or Nine Perfect Strangers, you know? Like, living these, you know, these, like, wealthy tourists who, like, come in and live at the beach and that kind of stuff. And I, I think this was so nice where, like... You know, everything was vibrant, um, and, but it also didn't feel, like, exoticized. Yes. It, it was just like, yeah, this is what our town looks like, and... Well, and I think that, the, I think a large part of that, probably most of that, is that it was made by Balinese creators, rather than being made by white people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it wasn't interested in the tourist perspective of Bali. Oh, not at all. There are no I white people in this movie. Yeah, which, which I appreciate it. There were, yeah, and there was no nod to, like, there weren't, like, gratuitous shots at the beach. There weren't, like, yeah, there weren't, like, no, the, the gratuitous scene setting was almost, was, like, the very culturally specific stuff, which then the movie did not really care and did not really care to explain to me. Right. Which again, I was fine with that. I thought that it, um, I thought that the movie was correct to not assume that I was like an ignorant person watching it because that's not the kind of thing that I would need explained to me if I was watching a movie set in America. So I was like, I'm happy with this to just be something that I go, oh, I should look that up later. Yeah, and I I liked that, yeah, there was no, like, conforming what was, like, the Balinese spirituality and the family traditions that were happening. There was no, like... It, it just was. It, wa it wasn't mm -hmm. there to, like... Be, you know, teach white people about traditional Balinese culture. Right. You know, it wasn't just, voyeuristic. It was just nope, like we're we're doing a cleansing ritual now, and that's just what's happening. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, all right, I'm here for it. Uh, something else I thought was very interesting. Um, one of the conflicts between Rio and Tiara is that she has a very, um, I would say, exploitative vision of the amount of work she expects from the like she she is much more of a like factory boss kind of character so mm -hmm. we we have a scene where she talks about like being dissatisfied with the quality of work of like a whole group of people in her clothing shop and she just fires all of them and um 
one of the conflicts between her and Rio is that Rio has like very close relationships with the people who do his fabrication. And at one point she's like, well, we have to fire this guy because his work sucks. And Rio's like, I'm still going to pay for your, your kid's college education. So like, she is a very, um, mercenary kind of business woman. Mm -hmm. Like she is very profit focused and like expanding and, um, try to make a name for herself and he is very much of the like I am a good craftsman who makes good shoes and I'm not all that interested in like growing an empire Um, and there's a scene that is not fully explained but I feel like we get enough we get enough in context where she and Rio are driving outside of her factory and there are a bunch of people protesting um I believe they're protesting the loss of jobs yes I think that they were protesting her firing Yes, and um, Rio actually gets... Does he get out of the car? He does, to help yes, him so he get out. he gets out of the car to help a, a man who gets knocked down by um, by their car. And that is definitely one of those, like, oh, these two people are not on the same page <laughs> about anything. Yeah. Um, but it did make me think... It did make me, a white person, think about um, manufacturing conditions in Bali. Because I do wonder if that is an area that white people exploit for fashion industry or cheap industry. Um, It just, it it made me think like, oh, is this, um, is this an area that we have exploited in like fast fashion or whatever? Oh, funny you should mention that. Excellent. Uh, Educate me. So, uh, I, I know we have talked about our different slightly... Well, actually, I think in some ways similar, we have just picked different shows, uh, taste in reality television. Um, and my taste in reality television tends towards the Project Runway. Um, and, you know, the things where people make things that are pretty. So, like, Project Runway... Which Rome- I, I also love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the newer shows that has come out has actually been Heidi Klune and... Um, Tim Gunn's new show called Making the Cut um, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And one of, and I, you know, don't want to give me spoilers for this isn't the first season, but there is a contestant that makes a business plan, which part of which includes having a factory in Bali and um, having like Bali, you know, Balinese fabricators um, so that they can make small quantities of designs quickly. Um, and they actually spent, this is obviously, pre, this was filmed pre-pandemic, but they spend a month in Bali um, building up one of their collections. How is this portrayed in the show? Uh, and this is portrayed as them being a smart business person for getting cheap Balinese labor. How did I not hear? How was this not all over Twitter? How did people not get mad about this? Did they and I just wasn't paying attention? Uh, I don't know that they did. Um, yeah, and I mean, to be fair, I don't know that they are... Um, they, they do mention that um, this contestant has previous relationships with these factories... Mm-hmm. So it's presented as 
oh, I'm using my relationships that I have. Um, and, you know, we see shots of them inside the factory. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know if there was any type of uproar over it. Um, and, you know, this came out, I'm, as usual, very behind on, um, the, uh, you know, reality TV zeitgeist. Um, uh, okay, it looks like it premiered, this, the, the season premiered in March 2020. Mm-hmm. So, maybe just with COVID, there wasn't much attention paid to that. I just... I deeply need to know if this was like a sweatshop exploitation deal. Is the designer from Bali? Like, is no? Nope. Uh, what is happening? Yeah, and I don't know. You know, I. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what that relationship is or what you know. This is wild. Yeah. I'm... Okay. We don't need to spend any more time on this, but... Yeah, no, that's... That's fascinating, and this is wild, and I need to know everything about this. Um... Yeah. Um, anyway. So... Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> After that, uh, digression. <laughs> yes. Um... But yeah, so that, like, worker conflict, and that was actually something that I could have had, I kind of wish they had spent more time on. Um, that was one of the few things where I was like, this this could use a little bit more room to breathe, if you are going to include it at all. And there, right. like, there is, I think, an argument to be made that they did not have, that they didn't have to include it. But if they were going to, then I think they could have spent a little bit more time with it. Yeah, and I think that's, like, ultimately this movie's problem is, like, it's it's bloated and overstuffed because it tries to get into, um, you know, so many plot points and, like, you know, has the problem of because it's going so many places, it just feels shallow despite the long runtime. Yeah that I could have used more of weirdly I could have used more of Sasuke's terrible boyfriend because so their whole deal at first is we open the movie at a runway event that Sasuke is going to blog about and then she hangs out a little bit and her boyfriend is like hey don't forget like don't be late to this event tonight it's really important to me and she goes yeah yeah of course um, but he also is then horrible about her shoes and is like make sure that you change so she goes to buy some new shoes and finds the shoe store and the shoes, like she buys a pair of shoes and then Rio gives her the wrong pair. So she ends up being late to the party because she goes back to get the pair that she actually wanted to buy in the process, spills a bucket of paint on herself. And then, um, Demi, Denny, uh, Denny over yeah. like he calls her to find out what's going on because he's annoyed with her rightfully so I think about being late 
Um, but then here's her and Rio talking about how he's like, well, you can just wear my shirt. You know, it's, it is a conversation that makes sense to us, the viewers, because we know what has happened, that she has ruined her clothes and, um, needs a new shirt. But to Denny sounds like the aftermath of a sexual encounter. Um, and then she finally arrives at the party and they do the thing. One of the things in rom-coms that annoys me the most when one party just needs to be mad at the other one and they won't let them explain what happened. He's just mm. like, I am going to be mad now because like, I think he does get to be mad at her for being late to his event, but I don't think he gets to accuse her of cheating <laughs> When in a roundabout way, she is late because he was bratty about the shoes that she was wearing. And that was, I think that sequence is supposed to be shorthand for these two are bad and wrong for each other. Um, and then we don't really spend almost any time with the two of them at all. We just know that Denny is bad. But also like how did they get together in the first place? Like there, there were a lot of questions that I had that I think would have been solved by spending at least some time with the two of them because otherwise their relationship makes no sense at all ever, even a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, See, I just found Denny un so unpleasant that I didn't want to spend any more time with him or their relationship. Um, But I, I mean, I think it was just one of those things where I was like, I don't understand anything that's happening, but it's happening for long enough that I'm like, well, if it's going to happen for this long, you should have at least tried to make it make sense. See, and I would almost say that, like, I think it's fine that there's so much shorthand in that relationship. Like, I think in some ways, like, I think a lot of rom-coms use shorthand for, like, people being in terrible relationships. Like, think of the... I'm thinking... I mean, I think You Got Mail probably does this better than anyone. Where, like, it's so clear that um, Tom Hanks and Parker Posey aren't meant to be from that elevator scene. And where she goes... Like, from the moment she's like, Where's my Tic Tac? You're like, oh, okay. Um... <laughs> And then I think it makes sense that she completely exits the story. Um, I, I I think that, yeah, I think you're getting at that there's, like, the wrong amount of time spent with Denny in proportion. Like, and it's I, like we get the wrong information about him. Because, like, what does his family do? They have money. Okay. <laughs> um, well, his like, family, don't they run that resort? Like, didn't we see his, like, dad and brother? Maybe? What yeah. resort? Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, like, there's <laughs> that scene where the dad, he is, like, terrible to one of their staff, and his dad, like, stands oh, up to and... him and is like, you aren't gonna inherit this, because you can't, like, lead this organization because you're terrible. And I'm so, gonna give it to your brother. To, is that before or after Denny slaps his brother? Uh, I think this is before. Um, because yeah, there was that one scene towards the end, and when his dad is like, "Who taught you that?" and I'm like, well, "Presumably you." 
Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I think the point we're supposed to get is that, like, his father, like, has this wealth from this resort, but, like, built it himself and expects, like, and tries to, like, give back with it, you know, by, like, doing things like supporting Sasuke's family, and he wants his son to do the same and isn't... I- I think you're doing a lot of work for the movie oh, there. Okay. I mean, I just I thought the actor who played his dad did a really nice job in that oh, scene. Yeah. Like I I bought it. I was like this is I totally dad. I was like, "Oh, I totally get this like person who's like seeing their children like go off the rails." Anyway, um but yeah, so I think presumably, yeah, but I think in proportion we get the wrong, because I think it's fine that we get these shorthands that their relationship is not working. Like, I think that's fine, but I think that because there's so much other, like, extra things on the story, and we're, and that's just another way that we're taking time away from like, Sasuke and Ryo spending time together. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how much of Denny's story I would cut, but, like, I think the shorthand is fine. In fact, I wish they kind of leaned into that more, because, like, ultimately, he's her terrible boyfriend, and, like, that's Maybe. kind of all I was interested in knowing just because I was kind of like fast forward fast forward I didn't actually yeah. but like mentally I was like okay but like wait when are we gonna get to the part where like Sasuke and Rio are hanging out like and maybe ultimately the problem was that I was confused about what what information the movie did give us like it, it gave us a lot of info about some stuff and then none about others so I was just like wait what am I like? What is I, I had a very hard time kind of figuring out what was important to this mm. movie. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, if you're going to tell me this about his dad, then I kind of like if you're going to tell me this about his dad supporting Sasuke's parents at all, then I kind of want to know how that right. started. Right. Like it almost um, would have been a better like offhand line of like, Denny supports you so much, which like supports us, you know, like. And it, it kind of, I think all they really needed to do was have the information there about the fact that Denny is, like, investing in her boutique. Right. Like, right. that's kind of all we need. We don't need the ex- the extra, like, her. also her mom is sick. Right. It's, like, one step too far. Exactly. Because then we're, like, supposed to put all, you know, we have all this family time and family scenes and, like... I don't think we need that to get the sense Mm -hmm. that, like, she feels pressured to be with Denny to support her family. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we can do that quicker and, like, set up that tension really more quickly. And then we can, like... Because I think the problem is, is all of that time and attention is time we're not getting with her with Rio... Which Mm -hmm. means that, like, I have less time that I'm investing in their relationship and, like, yelling at the screen, just make out already! (laughs) And, you know, or even, like, the other way around. So thinking about, I think, one of the most successful, like, shows that had this, like, I can't be with you because this person I am with, like, supports my family 
plot lines, I think one of the shows that did the best job with that is Grand Hotel, which is a Spanish-language show that was for a long time on Netflix. It may or may not be anymore. But they, they like, kept you dangling for, like, multiple seasons of, like, the mm-hmm. protagonists couldn't be together because one of them was with a person who was supporting their family in important ways. And it never felt like you never got bored with it because mm-hmm. things always happened. Like, there was always, like, oh, okay, like, this new development, you know, like... And there was enough, like, we got enough, like, you know, smoldering looks between the two people that couldn't be together and, like, little moments that, like, showed us clearly that, oh, yeah, if you guys could, you would absolutely bone right now. (laughs) Um, And they did that over a two-season show. And, like, there was literally a month of my life where all I did was watch Grand Hotel because I had to know when these two were going to bone. Mm-hmm. And and that was, like, so many hours. <laughs> like, I think that show was, like, three seasons of, like, 20 episodes. And I, like, burned through, like, 60 hours of television in a month. Because it had enough plot momentum and it, and it kept kind of shifting the barriers. And it, it was so specific about, like spending enough time with the main two people who couldn't be together while also like spending just enough time with this person that the character is forced to be with to make it believable that Mm -hmm. like you invested in the relationship that couldn't happen. So I will tell you one of the things that really put me in a Bollywood state of mind for Mm -hmm. this movie was the movie's use of rain Mm -hmm. because Bollywood films are uh, many things. They are very horny. They are almost entirely without sex, but they are very strong on the metaphor. And if it rains in a Bollywood movie, somebody is getting down. And that (laughs) that is what I was thinking of in the sequences of this movie when it was raining. I was like, oh, this is Bollywood shorthand for Mm. these characters are horny and, uh, you know, if this had been a musical number, it would have stood in for them having sex. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and the problem was I needed, like, for as long as this movie lasted, I needed, like, five more scenes like that. Yeah, it's, again, it is that I think this movie didn't know what it, what was important to the story. Like, I think there are a couple of different ways it could have gone in terms of what it wanted to emphasize. It tried to do all of them, and as a result, ended up not feeling very satisfying. Right. Um, I liked Andra. Don't know who she is. Um, is she Sasky's assistant? Is she... I think her friend? Like I, I, like, I was truly unclear about what role Andra was playing in this movie, but also I enjoyed her, so I was kind of willing to just give her, like, give that question a pass. Yeah. But at a certain point, I was like, why is Andra at the fortune-telling meeting between Demi and his parents? And Like, why is Andra there but not Sasky? Yeah. That I thought was very strange. Did love that they brought out a fortune-teller who was like, your birthdays are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was you're cool. A bad, you're a bad match because your birthdays are wrong. 
I know. I was like, oh, do I need to check Pete and my birthday? So like, I mean, the horoscope, the match via horoscope is also a very South, uh, South Asian tradition. It is something that I am very familiar with because of the amount of Hindi quanti- uh, Hindi media I consume. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when um, parents or people sign up for, like, dating apps... In India, it is not uncommon to fill in like a little star chart. Oh, interesting. So that they can base your matches on your horoscope. Yeah, it's a real. Oh, I did not know that. It is a definite thing. Um, I highly recommend. Um, I'm sure I have recommended it on this show before. Uh, there is a show on Netflix based off of a book that I love quite a bit called When Dimple Met Rishi. Oh, yes. You have and yeah. Yeah, the show is called... Because the show is not just called When Dimple Met Rishi. That would be too easy. Yeah, I kind of remember you mentioning that it was made into something else. Mismatched is the name of the show. Okay. Um, But yeah, so that was another thing where I was like, oh, I have context for this. (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah those again those sequences i enjoyed very much um i think i kind of just wanted to cut tiara completely yeah she's not necessary like we already have one roadblock we don't need to yeah like i think you get all the same thematic stuff without her there you lose the through line with the workers, but again, they're only really utilizing that to show that Tiara and Rio are a bad match. Right. I don't really think they commit to it enough to be making any kind of intelligent statement about the conditions of workers in Bali. Bali, sorry. So I think I think you can lose that without worrying about losing integrity of the movie because I, I don't think that it was committed enough to provide integrity <laughs> to the movie anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, all that really serves is, all that really does is give us support information that we already know. Um, yeah. And it just, yeah, it's hitting that same note and it's just kind of adding bloat to the, like, yeah. One of the things that was very important to me because this movie features a... (coughs) Features a fashion blogger slash stylist, whatever, was that the clothes be good? And Marin, I am pleased to tell you, the clothes were very good. The clothes were very good. I did appreciate the clothes. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, his shoes were cute. I would wear those green heels that yeah, he gives her. Yeah, those green heels were lovely. Um. Yeah, no, there was a lot of, I I think as we mentioned earlier, like, everything in this movie looked great. I mean, including, like, the scenery and the way it was filmed and also what the characters were wearing. Um, And also, again, like, it felt very specific. Like, I I Mm -hmm. believed that that was, like, Balinese style, not, like, Western, well, not the sweatshop that a contestant in making the cut is running. 
It really did make me want to look into like what is happening in the world of Balinese fashion right now. Like, right? I was very interested in that. Um, I what am I about to say? Oh, she has Saski has a fashion designer friend who shows up a, infrequently. Could have used more of him. I enjoyed him a lot. His is the show that we open on, and later we find out that he's working with Saski to design hers and Denny's uh, wedding clothes in traditional Balinese style. I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, I almost wish he had played more the Andrew role, because he was a lot more fun. Yeah. And and, and also, like, he had much a much clearer, like... Oh, this is who he is to her. This is why, like, it's helping, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, their, their interactions had more focus because he had a, a, like, clear job. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could cut the Andrew character. Um, I think you could cut... Tiara. Yeah, just like focus on focus on Saski and her having to decide, like, between the wealthy guy who is maybe more secure versus the like talented romantic artist who, um, like, she's more actually in love with. Like, that is a perfectly cromulent, exact rom com story. Uh, and I think would have given a lot of the elements that we enjoyed more room to shine. Exactly. Because, like, thinking about, like, the opening of this film works so well because, like, immediately there's the tension and stakes of, like, ooh, there's a there's a nice meet cute. These two have chemistry. Ooh, there's a barrier because she is with this other guy. And, you know, I think one thing that all rom-coms and romance novels have to answer well really like the two questions you know a romance novel and a rom-com have to answer are why should these two people be together and Mm -hmm. two why can't they be together now and um i think that um and i did not make that up on my own i'm completely stealing it from (laughs) jennifer procrop who is a fabulous romance novel critic um, but that is that is one metric that Jennifer Prokop um, uses to evaluate romance novels, and I, I think it works great for rom-coms, too, because, you know, you need both, like, we as an audience need to believe that these two people belong together, but then we also need to believe there's a reason that, like, they can't be together, and I think the opening of this movie, like, raises those stakes so well, and then it never fills in on it. Like, that scene where she spills the paint is great. That scene where they, like, are making eyes at each other in the rain is great. And we needed, Mm -hmm. like, way more of that and, like, less time elsewhere. I thought that Saski and Rio had great chemistry. I loved those actors together. Um, So, yeah, the the scenes between the two of them were wonderful. And when they were, when they got to be together on screen, I was like, yes, this is good. This is why I'm here. Exactly. And I, I mean, part of me is like, okay, is this just me? Like, 
And I feel like I've had this reaction to watching Bollywood films where I'm just like, I don't want to put my like Western need for like this particular type of plot on here, but I, I do think it would just make it a more engaging watch. Cause I feel about like, to be honest, like halfway through this movie, like my eyes glazed over a little. Oh yeah. Well, and again, even though there's good stuff here, it is too long. Yes. I kept pausing it being like, we have to be almost done. I and know. Had, like 45 minutes left. I did the same thing at half an hour. I paused it and I was like, oh, surely we only have like five minutes left. And then no. I was like, oh my no God. such luck. There is another three <laughs> minutes of this film. Are you kidding me? I think I, I had the dog on my lap and I was just like, well, it's your lucky day, pug. Like, you're getting 30 more minutes of cuddles. <laughs> So, all of that taken into consideration, would you recommend that people watch this movie? I think I would recommend it with qualifications. I, I think I would ask how they feel about a Bollywood vibe. Because um, I, I think this does ha very much have the vibe of that. Um, and I would ask, too, like... Yeah, how much... I don't know. I guess I would also ask, like, well, it's hard to consider this a, like, ambient movie. Cause, you like, can't. You, you have to read the <laughs> subtitles. So I guess that would be the other question I would ask is, like, how much, because I feel like some folks just don't necessarily always have the capacity to read a bunch of subtitles. So that would be my other question. Martha, would you recommend this movie? I would, even though, like, as long as you understand that you are committing two hours of your life to it. Um, I think that the visuals are arresting and interesting enough that it is worth the experience um, of watching it. Also, it was nice to watch. It's always nice to watch a foreign film because it's something a little bit different than what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was interesting from a I can't travel right now sort of yes. way. So that aspect was very good. And if you have an interest in fashion or cinematography like if if the visual aspect of filmmaking is something that you have an interest in then definitely um and yeah at the end of the day like i'm glad that i watched it it was just kind of like it's too long <laughs> what would you recommend to our viewers to read or watch after or in lieu of this. Yeah, I would... So, funnily enough, this movie made me think of... Because I was thinking of, like, books that feature, like, fashion and, like, characters making things. Mm -hmm. So, this, this movie actually reminded me of a really old book. Um, came out in 2011 um, by Stephanie Perkins called Lola and the Boy Next Door. Oh, I think I've recommended Anna and the French Kiss before on this show. I think you have. So, this is the sequel. Well kind of a sequel it, it, there are some relationships in, in characters like companion in companion yeah yeah the, it's not the exact continuation of the exact same story but takes place in the same world and has some overlapping characters um but yeah it's about a costume designer named lola um and she um uh some childhood friends return to the house next door um twins Calliope and Cricket um, and uh, 
Cricket um, and Lola uh, end up, you know, really having a thing. And, and part of their bond is kind of over their creativity and making things because he's an inventor. Um, so it just kind of reminded me of that in that way. Disclaimer, I have not reread this book in a long time. So, uh, I, you know, there may be problems or issues with it. I don't remember. Um, but I remember <laughs> very much enjoying it. Um, and it just kind of, you know characters that were engaged in that creative fashion work kind of reminded me oh and also she is in another relationship at the beginning of the book so there's some of that like tension too so Got that's kind it. Of reminded me of that so yeah lola and the boy next door by stephanie perkins um martha what would you recommend i am going to recommend to all of you the movie that i couldn't stop thinking about while i was watching this and what i might actually go watch after we get off of this call uh, 2001's Monsoon Wedding, Aww. which is uh, an Indian movie directed by Mira Nair about uh, Pimmy, a woman who is about to be married in an arranged marriage that she has asked her parents to set up for her. Um, the only problem is that she still has has been carrying on a relationship with a married man. So she has to decide what she feels about that. But mostly the movie is about her family preparing for this wedding. And Hindu weddings are like three-day multi-events. Um, they are huge and lavish. And I would love to attend one before I die. Um, and yeah, you get to know her family and all of her cousins. And secrets get brought to light. And... People are revealed to be bad people, but then they are punished for that. And it's all very soapy and dramatic and satisfying. And it is utterly beautiful. Um, it is happening right on the edge of monsoon season. So we also get some very good sequences in the rain. Um, yeah, it is beautiful and colorful. And I highly recommend that you watch it while eating Indian food, if possible. Mm. That is going to do it for us for a perfect fit. Um, our next episode, which we will be back with in two weeks from now, is streaming available on Netflix. It is a 2012 Disney Channel original Rebel Radio. So give that one a listen uh, before our next episode. In the meantime, if you are looking for more of that good, good content, you should check out our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework, which drops on the same feed on alternating Wednesdays uh, from this show. Uh, am I too lazy to have created two SoundClouds? Mostly I'm too cheap to have created two different <laughs> SoundClouds. So, you know, that that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, you can follow us on all of our social media at DYDYH Podcasts. Uh, you can follow me individually at Magical Martha. Uh, and Marn, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced, where I mostly tweet about romance novels these days. Yeah, right now I am mostly tweeting about Midnight Mass, which I've been watching for the last couple of days and is fantastic. Oh, so very excited about that. How I, spooky is it? Is it? Very. Okay. So I actually, too I was. Spooky. I was thinking about this because I know that you did enjoy the haunting I series. Well, I enjoyed this Bly is... Manor. I couldn't do Hill House. Hill House was yeah. too spooky for me. 
Midnight Mass is a different kind of horror that I don't think would appeal to you as much. Sure. And, like, one of the things I really enjoyed about Bly Manor is that it's a love story. Yeah. And Midnight Mass is not. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, so I think Pete would probably enjoy it. I don't know that you would. That's fair. It is, however, very, very squarely in my wheelhouse because it is about um, weird religious uh, mm. ideology and a small town with a secret. And it, it yeah, it hits a lot of my um, media buttons, as it were. Nice. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, Marin, this has been delightful. Uh, we will catch you all in two weeks. And until then, just remember that we love you. <laughs>